This is the podcast for RUF at Wake Forest. RUF exists for the convinced and the unconvinced, the lost and the found, the burned and the bored, the cynical and the spiritual. Whoever you are and whatever your story, RUF exists for you. For more information, check out our Instagram at RUF Wake Forest. Now, here's today's teaching. So I've been asked to share a few words with you as you prepare to head to campus. And I want to read to you from John 14, verses, verse 27. Um, this is Jesus speaking. He says to his disciples, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And as you come to campus next week, you will be coming from one of two places. Now, some of you are all in. You have thought through your Christian convictions, and you are ready to follow Jesus with your whole lives when you get to college. Others of you are not sure yet, but you're here at Summit either because you're curious about Jesus, part of you is curious, you're interested in learning about the Christian faith and its claims, or because your parents somehow convinced you to sit in front of your computer for two hours on Wednesday afternoon in one last effort to get you in front of Christianity before you go to college. I just want to name that and say that wherever you're coming from, um, we're so glad that you're coming to Wake. In behalf of all the campus ministers and uh, the folks you see, the student leaders, we really want you to find a community that loves you, helps you um, figure out what you believe and why you believe it, and sends you out to love others. And amidst all of the preparation and excitement and the newness of college, I realize that most of us are scared. And for many of you, going to college is the, the biggest transition that you've ever had in life. So what are you scared of? Well, maybe you fear that the admissions office let you in by accident, right? Maybe you're scared you can't handle the workload. Maybe your fear is about people, asking questions like, who are going to be my friends? Will I make new friends? Will I connect with anyone? Maybe you're scared about your roommate's situation. Who is this stranger that I'm going to be living with for the next nine months? Maybe you're scared of being homesick. Think you'll really miss home. Or maybe you're scared that, um, about what's happening back home in your family when you come to campus. Maybe you're scared about the pandemic, scared of getting sick, or scared of how this will affect your college experience. Maybe you're scared about money, college debt. Is your financial aid package going to be enough? Maybe your dad lost his job, or you have the fear of not being able to afford wake. You have that fear looming over you. Maybe you're scared of messing it up, scared of choosing the wrong classes or choosing the wrong friends, scared of doing it wrong, fear that you somehow have the ability to sabotage your own life. Maybe you're like Selena Gomez. At the 2016 AMAs, she said this. She said, as she was accepting her award, she said, I had everything and I was absolutely broken inside and I kept it all together so I would never let you all down but I kept it too much together to where I let myself down. I want you to hear what she's saying. She's saying she had a deep fear of letting others down, so she kept all of her brokenness inside. She feared what would happen if people found out she was broken. Fear what would happen if she let others down. And that's a fear that a lot of us feel. If they actually knew me, they'd reject me. Maybe this is something you felt. I remember the beginning of my freshman year of college, I don't know if I could have named my fear. It was more of a nebulous anxiety about the newness of everything that I was walking into. And for me, fear was and often is a constant companion. 
not so much about the specific things that I was doing, but rather it was this low level hum always in the background. And it's this fear that somehow I have the ability to sabotage my own life and that I'm in constant danger of doing it. So what's it for you? What is it that causes your anxiety to spike? What are you scared of? Well, friends, I want to tell you that God knows you're scared. He knows your fear, and he has something to say to you in the midst of it. So the passage I read from John 14, the context of this, Jesus, he's with his disciples. This is hours before his crucifixion. And he's giving them his last words. He's preparing them for the reality of his death and resurrection and their life as the church after he ascends to heaven and sends his spirit. And Jesus is speaking into their fears. Don't be afraid. Don't let your hearts be troubled. My peace I give to you. My peace I live with you. And for the next few minutes, I want to look at these two words from Jesus. Do not fear. My peace I give to you. So first, do not fear. In the midst of our fears, both real and imagined, God speaks. And the refrain of God throughout the Bible to his fearful people is the same. He says, do not fear, for I am with you. To Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to Moses and Joshua, to Israel in the wilderness, to Israel as an established kingdom, and Israel in exile, his refrain is constant, do not fear. And we see this most clearly where we see all beautiful things, in Jesus on the cross. Because as Jesus went to his death, he was terrified. His best friends had abandoned and betrayed him, and he knew that he was headed to his death, and that his death would both be excruciating and lonely. And he stepped into failure and was terrified. And he went to that place of terror to secure for you the comfort of his father, so that his word to you his do not fear would not be cheap. And this isn't an empty, everything's going to be okay. Jesus experienced the terror of hell on the cross so that he could say to you, do not fear, and have the full weight of heaven behind it. One of my favorite episodes of The Office is Scott's Tots episode. Um, if you haven't seen it, if you're unfamiliar with The Office, uh, Michael Scott, who's the boss of The Office, makes th this huge promise to a group of underprivileged elementary school students that if they graduate high school, he will pay for their college education. And the hope of this free ride has carried them through their hardship to actually graduate high school. And in the episode, he says, of all the empty promises I've ever made, this one is by far the most generous. Uh, and he shows up at the high school, and um, he shows up because they are all graduating high school. They want to thank him, and he has to tell them that there is no money. So he sits down in the classroom, and the kids put on this performance. Hey, Mr. Scott, what you going to do? What you... I'm not going to sing it. Um, it puts on this performance for him, and then he shows up with a suitcase full of laptop batteries. That's all he has. Um, and so he says, hey, I know there's, there's actually no money. I actually don't have any money for you to go to college, but here is a laptop battery. Um, great, incredible disappointment. And I think a lot of us, if we're honest, we think that God's promises are like this. The doubt that looms in our mind is, is Christianity just some nice words to get me through? 
am I going to go to college and discover that all that stuff I was told by the church growing up was just a suitcase full of laptop batteries? Are Jesus' words, do not fear, just an empty, everything's going to be be okay? And I want you to hear me say this. God's answer to that is a resounding no. Look at the cross. Look at Jesus Christ. On the cross, Jesus faced down the horrors of death and separation from his Father to secure these words for you. Do not fear. And I want you to hear this as you head into college. God's word to you, do not fear. Don't be scared. That's what Jesus is saying to his disciples as he prepares them for the most destabilizing moment of their lives. This was his word to them as he headed to the cross. Do not fear. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. Because I am with you. With is God's favorite preposition. Throughout the Bible, we see that God reveals himself to his people as being with them. In the midst of their loneliness, in the midst of their fear, God is with his people. And he makes this promise to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, to Moses, to Joshua, to Israel in the wilderness, to Israel as an established kingdom, and to Israel in exile. His promise to them is, I am with you. And of course, we see this most clearly where we see all beautiful things in Jesus on the cross, for it's there that he was abandoned, really abandoned by his father. His cry from the cross was, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was separated from his father, forsaken by his father on the cross, receiving the full judgment for the sin of his people, so that by the power of his spirit, he will never leave you. And this is what Jesus is saying to his disciples as he's preparing them for the most destabilizing moment of their lives and of human history. As Jesus prepares to go to the cross, his words to his disciples is this. He says, my peace I live with you, I leave with you. My peace I give to you. My peace, I am with you. Do not fear, for I am with you. And I want you to hear this. As you head into your dorms and into your classes, into a thousand Zoom meetings, into parties, into the library, into the pit, into the gym, this is God's word to you, his promise. Do not fear, for I am with you. There's a church historian in Scotland named Larry Hurtado, and a few years ago he wrote a book called Why on Earth Did Anyone Become a Christian in the First Three Centuries? It's a great title for a book. It's a great question. And this is what he says. He says that the earliest Christians were widely ridiculed, especially by the cultural elites. They were excluded from circles of influence and business. They were often persecuted. They were put to death. And Hurtado says that the Roman authorities were uniquely hostile to Christians compared to other religious groups. Why? Well, it's expected that people would have their own gods, but that they would also be willing to show honor to the other gods as well. In the Roman Empire, nearly every home, every city, every professional guild, and the empire itself, they all had their own gods. You could not even go to a meal in a large home or to any public event without being expected to do some ritual to honor the gods of that particular place or people or group. And to not do the ritual, to not honor them, would be highly insulting at the least to this house or the community. And it would also be dangerous since it was thought that such behavior, if you didn't honor those gods, it could bring the anger of the gods upon you and upon them. And in Rome, in the Roman Empire, it was seen as treason to not honor the gods of the empire on those 
who, on whose divine authority the Roman Empire legitimacy was based. Christians, however, saw all of these rituals and tributes as idolatry. They were committed to worship their God as he revealed himself in the scriptures exclusively. While the Jews had the same view, they were generally tolerated since they were a distinct racial group, and their peculiarity was seen as a function of their ethnicity. Christianity, however, spread through all ethnic groups, and most of them were former pagans who suddenly, after conversion, refused to honor the other gods. And this created huge social problems. It made it disruptive or impossible for Christians to be accepted at most public gatherings. If any individual in a family or a servant in a household became a Christian, suddenly they would refuse to honor the God of the household. Christianity spread was seen as subversive to the social order, as a threat to the culture's way of life, and Christians were thought to be too exclusive to be good citizens. But in light of these enormous social costs of being a Christian in the first three centuries, why would anyone do it? Why did Christianity grow so exponentially? What, what did Christianity offer that was so much greater than the costs? And I just want to share with you two of the reasons that Hurtado offers. First, he says that Christianity offered a direct, personal love relationship with the Creator God. People around Christians, people around the Christians, they wanted favor from the gods. Eastern religions spoke about experiences of enlightenment, but an actual love relationship with God was something that no one else was offering. Second, Christianity offered assurance of eternal life. Every other religion offers some version of salvation through human effort. So therefore, no one could be sure of eternal life until death. But the gospel of Jesus Christ gives us the basis for a full salvation, a full assurance of salvation now, because it's by grace and not by works, and by Christ's work and not ours. See, when Jesus says to you, do not be afraid, my peace I give to you, he's saying these two things. First, he is offering you a direct, personal love relationship with the God who made you. You can know God's peace because he offers you himself in Christ. And second, this is not based on anything you do, which means you can't sabotage it. You can't screw it up. The assurance of eternal life, the assurance of his peace in the midst of your fear, is based on Christ's work and not yours, secured on the cross and guaranteed in the resurrection. This is the unique offer of Christianity to the world and to you. I'm closing here. Um, I'm a dad. I've got three kids. And when our daughter was four, she started having night terrors. And she'd wake up around 1130 at night crying. Um, But the thing with night terrors is that she didn't actually wake up. She would be screaming or crying in her sleep. As a dad, I'd go into her room, I'd hear her crying. I had no idea what to do. Like, I couldn't fix it. I couldn't wake her up. So I didn't know what to do. So what I did was I went into her room. I got in bed with her. I wrapped her up in my arms. I held her. I put my lips to her ear, and I sung to her. I whispered the promises of Jesus to her, telling her that I loved her and I had her. And friends, this is what Jesus is saying to his his disciples And what your Father in heaven is saying to you, he's got you. He won't let you go. If you have faith in Christ, he is going to remind you of his promises to you in Christ and his love for you, and he is never going to let you go. So what are you scared of? What's making you anxious as you think about the start of school? Listen to Jesus, the lover of your soul. 
Listen to him speak to you. Do not fear, for I am with you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Let me pray. Father, we thank you that you are the God of all peace and that your word to your people is a constant and steady and loving refrain of do not fear, for I am with you. Lord, thank you for these incoming freshmen. Thank you that they are coming to Wake Forest so that we can care for them and know them and love them and share with you, share with them your great love. And Lord, I pray that now you would comfort them by your spirit, that they would know your peace and that your word would soothe them and calm them. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.